Welcome to Open Minds from Creative Commons. I'm Onian Yukim, CC's Campaigns Manager. Our Open Minds podcast is a series of conversations with people working on the issues we're involved with and the subjects we're excited about. Each episode, we sit down with amazing guests from the worlds of open culture, open education, open science, open technology, and more. For our first episode of 2022, we're joined by Hessel Van Orschert, founder and chief of noise of the online music business, Tribe of Noise, a music community that connects artists, fans, and professionals. Founded in 2008 in the Netherlands, its main objective is to create fair and sustainable business opportunities for talented artists. Tribe of Noise acquired the Free Music Archive in 2019, which we'll hear more about later in the episode. Hessel shares his unconventional path to discovering his passion, his insights on the biggest opportunities for music licensing right now, how he got involved with the open movement and creative commons, and so much more. So, enough from me, let's hear from Hessel. Hi there, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Uh, personally, I'm doing great, but it is a challenging time, isn't it? It is a challenging time indeed, but I am excited to be sitting down with you and I'm sure that you're going to bring some brightness to me and, and the rest of the CC community through this conversation. Perfect. Let's hope I can live up to that expectation. <laughs> So just to get us started, I'd love to hear more about your journey into music licensing. If I'm correct, your background is actually in IT and I'm just interested how you got from, you know, point A to where you currently are today. Ooh. <laughs> How long is this interview? <laughs> no. I'm, ju- I'm just kidding. Let, let's 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 keep it short. Well, actually, it's it's even even a little bit more niche than the IT. My proper background is in automotive engineering. Um, in, oh wow! In, in, and part of that was industrial automation. Um, so my first, yeah, real paid job was actually. Um, helping the automotive industry in in their part of the um, digitalization of the business mm-hmm. uh, locally in the Netherlands, nothing nothing fancy, but you know paid the bills. But what I like quickly understood from the industry, and this this is before you had like Tesla and and big thinkers who wanted to revolutionize the industry. Mm. Um, the industry was laid back you have had a couple of like huge brands they were there for the last 100 plus years and and nothing nothing you know out of the ordinary happened there so if that, that was my first job and and what i quickly learned then is like if i really want to be innovative and, and and you know ahead of the curve um i should start my own business or should do something different so from mm. that moment onwards i started to develop myself had a short career in IT, as you mentioned, worked for one of the larger IT companies in the world, got a bit fed up with middle management, to be honest, and yeah. I was super young. So uh, uh, I still had that idea that I could change the world or at least be part of that. And uh, then roughly in 2000, started my my first uh, uh, business. And that was actually helping 
other small, medium-sized um, uh, businesses or entrepreneurs how to make the best out of the internet. So I didn't build websites or something, mm -hmm. but I helped them to understand the business models on the internet, help them to transform from brick and mortar stores all the way up to the internet, um, wrote some books about it. They trained the trainer sessions and, and helped tens of thousands. And in the end, over 200,000 small, medium-sized businesses with books and, and, and all other kinds of things mm. that um, actually uh, helped them. Funny enough, I published some of those books that I wrote together with my wife. A couple of those books we actually published under Creative Commons. So oh, actually amazing. all the way in 2005, 2004, 2005, I was able to make money while licensing my own intellectual property under a Creative Commons license. So that's your like initial proof that Creative Commons works. <laughs> thank you, thank you. And and I have to say that I'm glad that you took the leap. You've definitely been part of changing um, the world, both in the CC sort of ecosphere and beyond. So you're co-founder and CEO of Tribe of Noise. And in 2019, Tribe of Noise acquired the Free Music Archive. For folks who aren't familiar with music licensing, could you explain them both and, and the, the role that you play within them? Sure, sure. So, so from day one, when we, when we launched uh, Tribe of Noise in 2008, we actually were not, well, actually the year before, we were asking ourselves the question like, where can I find good quality music from, from up-and-coming bands or singer-songwriters, but, you know, real human beings, so not mm. like an algorithm or or something else. But uh, how can we act, how do we get access to that kind of quality music as quickly as possible and license the music for some of our media projects? And with media projects, that, that could be, of course, like something silly like a uh, home recording of your, you know, of your latest uh, vacation. Mm -hmm. But in our case, we, we were doing a lot of videos for, for businesses. Um, and we were in need of real music. So I popped that question to a couple of lawyers in 2008, who were also, and they're super handy, also musicians. And they also taught music management at a university here in the Netherlands. So they, they, saw, they saw the whole thing. And I asked them, like, is there a place out there where I can find good quality music from musicians with a simple contract or, or licensing scheme underneath and I do have money so I want to pay them directly if they want to hand over some of these songs or the license of the songs so that I can use them for synchronization with my video content. They did a lot of research and they came back with all kinds of initiatives out there but they, they came actually back with, with two, two results or a conclusion saying like if that's what you want to set up like a marketplace to connect you know content creators and people in need for that specific content. Mm. Why don't you do it yourself? And the second thing they said was like, if you do put your money where your mouth is, and if you start a company like that, be aware that every single country around the world will have its own specific rules about, you know, yes. copyright laws specifically for a country, or maybe there is a ministry of whatever who will have a specific opinion about mm -hmm. how to license music. So make sure 
that if you uh, want to go into that game internationally, that you work together with partners who understand that game on a global level. And that's actually where Creative Commons came in. And that reminded me of the books that we wrote on the Creative Commons. Mm. One of the things I really love about the Creative Commons licenses is that you have translations per country. It's written in human readable text. It's a framework on top of somebody's copyright. So you're not saying like, you know, we, we disrespect your copyright. We're saying like, you know, there's a, a framework on top of the copyright and the owner can decide with, in their own language, with their own terms of, of uh, service, how I, as a licensor, can, can use that content. Super interesting. And of course, you almost have to tell that story every single year to every single country to every single entity because they yeah, they think that creative commons is just let's put it very black and white that that creative commons is just for the happy few that want to give their mm. intellectual property away which is totally a wrong perception yeah. of, of what creative commons is but that's what a lot of people think so you have to explain that your second part of the question is like what is Free Music Archive differently than Tribe of Noise? I think the, the biggest difference between the two is the starting point. Free Music Archive was actually uh, set up by, it was one of the oldest free format radio stations, maybe the oldest free format radio station in America, WFMU. And um, they used music highly curated by by people who just like to create music and they published them on the on the website of wfmu but they also played and recorded some amazing music in uh, the studios of the uh, of the radio station which means that a lot of the music that uh, was actually played on the uh, on the local radio stations and national radio stations uh, actually were published afterwards under a open license, a Creative Commons license right. on, uh, on Free Music Archive. That's also where, where the archive part kicks in. It keeps an archive on the website. The other amazing thing that happened, because so many talented curators had so much fun on Free Music Archive, it became the number one resource globally if you type in the words free and music on Google, which means that, yeah, Hundreds of thousands of folks every single day are visiting Free Music Archive and are searching, browsing, clicking, listening, downloading to, to almost three terabytes of music files every single day. So that's, you know, this amazing resource of, of independent uh, uh, music. It's most of the works are like originals. So it's this great resource where uh, a lot of people uh, curate, find, download music. And um, I think that, yeah, the biggest struggle for them when it was still owned by WFMU um, was that they didn't give the monetization of the, of the total package of the Free Music Archive mm -hmm. uh, too, much, uh, too much attention, uh, which means that they had all the costs of hosting and 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 streaming and uh, maintaining and uh, you know there, there were uh, IT people who had to rewrite code from time to time. There was a a community, a really wonderful community manager on Free Music Archive, 
um, people had to get paid. But yeah, yeah. And on the other hand, of course, you need some form of of income or revenue stream so that you that you can keep it up and running. Yeah. And um, unfortunately, there was lacking. Uh, we heard that in 2018 already, and so we we reached out and together with 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 Creative Commons, we reached out to Free Music Archive. We said, "How can we help?" Uh, first, they said, "Like you can give us money." I was like, "Yep, <laughs> I understand. <laughs> I understand that you're asking for more money, but how can we help long term? Like you know, what can we actually do for the community, for Free Music Archive, for Creative Commons on, in the long term?" Mm-hmm. And um, that actually resulted in us offering them uh, an amount of money f- to purchase uh, and acquire Free Music Archive, but also the promise that we would take it to the next level. And unfortunately, somebody else offered a little bit more money. So in 2018, it was sold to not us, but to somebody else. Um, unfortunately for us, of course. So, mm. but you know, I. I'm I'm a good loser, so I I made a phone call to the uh, to the the new owners of Free Music Archive, and I said like you know, congratulations, you bought something wonderful. We should make sure that this you know uh, stays alive for the upcoming hundred years. Um, and if you ever having second doubts about what you just uh, acquired, or if you're having issues or whatever, you know my door is open. Give us a call, and let's see if we can work it out. And um, nine months later. I actually got that phone call from them to say like, we don't understand what free music is. We don't mm. understand creative commons good enough. Are you still willing to, you know, purchase or acquire free music archive um, and keep your promise? And we said yes twice. And since 2019, that's uh, uh, what we did. So we, we acquired free music archive, um, invested more money in Free Music Archive, uh, rebuilt the complete backend so that it is uh, uh, future-proof for the upcoming 10 years at least, uh, and hopefully for more. And, uh, and now we, we're having a lot of fun with initiating new ideas of, of making sure that Free Music Archive, Creative Commons, Tribe of Noise artists, that, you know, that somehow we align and 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 make it and and just make it happen for all of us mm. there are some absolutely fascinating connections there when you look back in hindsight i'm sure um that at the time the road didn't always seem like a clear path but um just hearing the retelling of that there's just so many um pieces that make sense and come together so nicely and we'll talk about free music archive and some of the work that you are doing as part of your promise to take it to the next level um later on in the conversation but I want to go into something that you touched on a bit um in your last answer I want to get your take on the perceived tensions between ownership and sharing and now this is something that comes up in so many creative communities but i think there can be a tension with the music and and sound industry on this note i want to get your yeah thoughts on how you see the application of free and open culture licenses impacting the music and sound industry absolutely uh i i think from day one when we 
announced that we were going to launch a platform where the independent artist would get all control uh, to make up their own mind and to say like, you know, this is what I want. I want to share this part of my repertoire for free. I want to share this part of my repertoire with people who are willing to pay me and maybe with another part of the repertoire that that I've created. Mm. I want to do a, a deal with a music label, for example, or a publisher. Uh, since that announcement, um, and, and this is virtually, of course, but but I, I was I was stabbed in the back quite a few times. <laughs> so I was super proud when we opened the doors with with Tribe of Noise in two thousand eight. I you know I was I was screaming from from the roofs to say like, look at this wonderful opportunity. Um, uh, you know, and, and it wasn't a new idea because we we saw these ideas arising in open source uh, software communities. We saw these ideas with with photography, but music was, you know, lacking behind mm-hmm. and, and it was slow and it, the, the whole music industry seemed to be a closed kind of environment where only a few folks had, you know, had their hands on, on, on the controllers and nobody else uh, had a clue how to access it or how to make money or how to influence it. So when we went to the music conferences and when people asked us for the newspaper to tell us more about Tribe of Noise, I, I, you know, it instantly felt that we opened a door that should not have been opened. Um, and, and people gave us that, that feeling that uh, when you were not part of the traditional music industry, and with traditional music industry, I mean that the composer would join a publisher and the performing artist would join a music label and all of them would get their money via a performing rights organization or a you know a collecting society so that traditional system where all Mm -hmm. these entities are involved to to make money or to to broadcast your music or to uh, uh, to do uh, marketing um when we weren't part of that i said like Hmm, let's let's see if we take out a few middlemen, if we can do it directly with Creative Commons licensing as a framework and help the independent artists directly. Um, yeah, it felt that 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 I actually closed the door to the traditional <laughs> music industry for good. Um, uh, having said that, and fast forward to today, because this is a process now for 13 years yeah. that day in, day out, I've been telling this story and with a lot, with a lot of enthusiasm, because I still believe that this is the the only way forward. I do see, for example, that slowly the law enforcers started to understand that transparency or good governance or more flexibility to the rights holders, you know, more power to the rights holders. You know, let them mm-hmm. in, let them make their decisions, and if they want to give it away under a open license or if they want to share under open license, they should be able to do, even if they are in a contract with collecting society. The last six, seven years, that's happening. We see performing rights organizations who pick up the phone and start to call us like, hey, can you you know, explain that story again about mm-hmm. Creative Commons and how open licensing could contribute to the bigger ecosystem? We see big companies who are now saying to Creative Commons or open license content, hey, this is actually a great fair remuneration model 
where some of the music might be featured free of charge under non-commercial conditions. But if we pay a little bit of money or have another deal with the rights holder, we can use it commercially for purpose A, B, and C. So that that whole palette of options that is now opening up to to rights holders to say per song, per, per genre, per opportunity to say, this is my intention. You can use this song without calling me, but you can't use it non-commercially. If you want to use it commercially, these are my conditions. If that's okay with you, let's go for it. If that's not okay for you, you know, just move Mm -hmm. on. That is so powerful. It's so incredible to see the pendulum swinging and that that recognition starting to come in as well as relationships with the traditional music industry who clearly at first were very resistant yeah it really just speaks to the fact that once you have your story straight and you're able to really communicate that consistently and you're doing great work that eventually you know people will start to take note and they really have it's it's just great to see the the work that you've been able to do and speaking of the music industry sort of lagging behind um i'm gonna go way back and um, speak about the public domain a bit. So in January 2022, on Public Domain Day, thousands of public domain sound recordings from the US will be available for the first time. And I just want to get your thoughts on the impact you foresee this having for, you know, music and sound creators. Yeah, but public domain, if, if you look at copyright and public domain, there are people, especially in the creative commons scene, who say actually public domain is the standard. And yes. getting a copyright for 60 or 70 or in some cases 100 years is the exception. I, I like that approach because it, it, it opens up the discussion to say what is copyright in the first place? Why do we need copyright for 50 years or 70 years or more? And we do see more examples nowadays. Look at these COVID vaccines and, you know, medication in general, where people waive their intellectual property or those kind of things just to make sure that we can develop faster and that people can build upon other people's technology and knowledge. Super useful. Going back to public domain, what we said uh, a couple of years ago, and and we've seen other Creative Commons fans doing the same thing. Let's invite today's musicians to take a composition from the 1920s or maybe from the 1800s or whatever, revamp the whole thing and uh, record a new version for your audience today. I love that. and so we've done that. There was a project called uh, Re-Rec from Re-Recording. Ah. Um, super fun to do. And what we've done there is we we actually, at the end, we handpicked, I think it was like between six and ten winners who sent in their works from old recordings or old compositions. And we actually pressed them as vinyl again. So a compilation of these songs on a vinyl that we had beautiful artwork for the cover and we send off boxes with those final records to the winners for them to share and that was also for us like for us a small contribution but also a way to just create awareness Mm. that everybody every single day is building upon somebody else's work or somebody else's idea and that is super powerful 
but and, and that's also why there is no such thing as original music. Otherwise, you know, we would <laughs> have to take a baby, shoot shoot the baby to the moon, and then wait for music to come back after twenty or thirty years, and then you can say like, ah, that was proper original music, you know, <laughs> never influenced by whatever was on the radio or, or YouTube. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I have a very strong opinion that public domain is the standard. I hope that next year we'll see more remixes and reversioned versions of, I won't use original music because like you said, there's no such thing, but of the sound items that are coming out of the public domain in 2022. And moving things on, we've spoken about the past now, let's bring things back to the present and the future. What do you see as some of the biggest opportunities for music licensing and, and music creators right now and in the long term? For now, it's obvious. We have 53,000 individual musicians registered on Free Music Archive and Tribe of Noise. Those 53,000 musicians or members, they live across the planet. I think the last time we counted, we had something like 193 nationalities, wow. if that's even possible. What everybody tried to do in the last 10 years was to get signed to a record label and hopefully get an advance or with a publishing deal. And then there was a period where they said, if your music is on, on Apple Music or on iTunes and people start to download that music, every single download you will get a fair share of that $1 that is set as the, the download price. That didn't really work for many artists. Then we went into streaming. And now I think most of the musicians start to understand that if you're not in the number one playlist of your genre, or maybe the number 10 playlist of your genre, that getting enough plays that actually translates into royalties that mm -hmm. actually ends up on your bank account that actually pays for your bills and your mortgage is almost non-existing like it, it happens to a few and they make a ridiculous amount of money and then there's a huge gap and then you have the 99.999 percent of people in the long tail who don't make enough money just with royalties or any other kind of remuneration they get from the streaming services so I think this is a really great moment to have discussions with all of them and to say what we can offer you is opportunities where maybe five of your tracks might find a second life into the direction of uh, synchronization for video projects like uh, music in a YouTube channel or a TikTok or a documentary or film. Maybe we can find opportunities for you um, to have your music in background music services for businesses where there's a payment per month per stream and then just go for not just one but for 10 or maybe 20 monetization models and test them per artist and make sure that they have a dashboard make sure that they can switch on and off all these monetization models mm. and just try to figure out per artist how can i share my music free of charge how can i share my music in a way, it's being monetized. And, how, and also, because that I think that's lacking in most of those models today, how can I revoke those rights from time to time if I have just monitored 
the music floating over the internet and, and attracting new eyeballs and, and making a few bucks. And if it's not good enough for you, for that specific uh, part of your repertoire or your catalog, that you can revoke the rights and try something else. I think that's for me is a super clear path that we give back power to the artist and control that we make sure that there is a dashboard with simple and, and in plain English or any other language, an explanation of what you can do with your music and how you can license your music and then offer them those opportunities with little switches next to them to say like, test it for a couple of months. If it works, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, try something else. That would be my ideal future. So on the subject of web monetization, in 2020, the Free Music Archive became a grant for the web awardee for a project that is aimed at integrating web monetization into the free music archive platform and also trying to drive discussions about web monetization to the music creator community and and users i'd love to know more about this the work that you've done so far and ongoing plans web monetization and grant for the web combined with how we uh, perceive Creative Commons and how we want to push Creative Commons forward. I think it sounds a bit cheesy to say marriage in heaven, but <laughs> <laughs> it does work. And uh, I will tell you why. We With Free Music Archive, as I mentioned earlier, what we can promise is insights in the amount of traffic that is generated with people going to Free Music Archive. Mm-hmm downloading music, playing with music, reusing and and building upon music, that's massive, that's big. So that data, of course, is valuable for any new form of monetization online. So what we've been doing with the the grant is uh, a lot of research to ask all these people coming in on Free Music Archive specific questions about how do you perceive free music. If you are behind your computer and you type in the words free music and you end up on Free Music Archive and you see all that Creative Commons content and public domain content, Mm -hmm. you know, on your screen out there, what do you think? Do you think, oh, I can just, you know, download whatever I want and use it for any purpose or even commercially, or I can just sell it as mine, or I can just uh, claim ownership. Or do you perceive free as something that that you can download and enjoy the music and listen to the music and maybe share the music with friends? But in in the back of your mind, you might understand that if you are going to make money by monetizing the content, that you have to double check the license, for instance. We had a a group in the end of four and a half thousand people that we could like intensively interview that's incredible that's really incredible what does better sharing for a brighter future mean to you in the context of music licensing this is of course because i've been following and participating with creative commons not from the beginning so not not the whole almost but 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 we're getting close my take on this is that we are on on a on a journey forward together with a lot of people enthusiastic about creative commons which is great and i think together we can tackle a couple of 
issues that needs to be resolved to actually enjoy sharing even more. What I mean with that is, and, and this is basically the essence where it all comes down all the way back to the copyright owner, I would love, and, and we are actually already working on this, but to get my hands dirty on a basic, super easy wizard that will allow a content owner within 20 seconds, maybe 30 seconds max, to say, I own this piece of content. I am willing to share this creativity with the world under my conditions. I want to use a open license like Creative Commons. And I want to register my intentions publicly so that if people take my content with a click of my mouse or with a link in the subscription, the receiving party can find all the details about my ownership and rest assured that it's well documented, that there is a license, that it is free to use, and that people don't end up in any copyright infringement if they want to build upon this open work. So building that wizard, having that wizard in place to mm -hmm. allow people from their mobile phones, from their desktops, from wherever they are in the, in the planet to say, I just created something. But before I publish this online with a Creative Commons uh, license, I just want to make sure that people 100% understand that I own this content and that my intention is to share. If, if we can make that happen in 2022, uh, I would be super proud and hopefully I can contribute. Thank you so much, Hassel. That was a great response. And I think you touched on some points that many in the space have been thinking about and um, looking forward to seeing more developments on that front. Thank you for taking the time out to speak to us. This has been a great episode. It's so nice to not just share this information, but I'm looking forward to, to listening to the other episodes as well and to see where the Creative Commons community and all the people in this space can actually help each other with all the knowledge and all the projects that they have been working on in the last couple of years. So I'm really looking forward to the other episodes. Thanks for listening to Open Minds from Creative Commons. Special thanks to the musician Broke for Free, whose track Daybird you heard at the beginning of this episode and you're listening to right now. It's available under the Creative Commons Attribution License. Meaning it's free for anyone to use, you can find it at the Free Music Archive, freemusicarchive.org. Please subscribe to our show so you don't miss any of our conversations with people working to make the internet and our global culture more open and collaborative. We'll be back soon with another episode. Talk to you then.